Hey folks, welcome back to Intelligent Living. Thanks for joining the podcast, where we have discussions about all things relating to life. You know, through science, we've learned so much about life and how to live it well, so why is it that we tend to live so foolish? Well, it's time to use that science so that we can live life with some intelligence. We can live longer, happier, more purposeful and productive lives for ourselves and for others. And this is called Intelligent Living. So here we're going to learn, laugh, live, last, and love. Thanks for joining the conversation. to preach pretty simple. Uh, there is no fast forward. The reason we need to go to Cherith. Uh, Wednesday, I had an interview with an uh, orthopedic surgeon this Wednesday. I met this guy before uh, a while back. I don't know how many months ago. I had, one was a neuro, uh, a neuro a surgeon. This one's another surgeon. They, it's kind of crazy because they both operate on the same thing. It's the neck. So I got a little bulge here, and I got some other things wrong. They, basically, they said I got too many brains, okay? Uh, it's too much brain power up there. And uh, so I, I had my interview with this surgeon again. Time's gone on, so I had to interview with him again because I've had some new pain. And so after this, I thought, man, this is so true of us. We get on the video conference. You know, a lot of the conference calls are doctor visits or video, right? And the people, you know, they come up, the nurse comes up, and I was trying to kid her, but she didn't go for it. I just said, make sure you wear your mask. And she had her mask on. She goes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, you prude. Anyway, okay. But anyway, so, you know, come on, you have a mask on. It's a video call, you know. Anyway, so someone drank the Kool-Aid. Um, so the, the doctor comes on, the, the surgeon, and I don't know why I just instantly just he starts talking to me and he's a real good guy i mean the guy's level-headed he's sharp and one of the first things i say to him i said listen doc stop i said there's no way they're never going to happen i'm never going to get surgery and i said that before i really give the guy a chance to talk which is pretty unwise i know you can't imagine me being unwise but anyway pastors people too but i said that and i thought you know afterwards i thought i should have never said that my wife said the same thing to me and so I'm saying that to the surgeon. He's like, wait, stop, stop, stop. You're telling me you don't want surgery. I'm a surgeon. That's what I do. And I thought, yeah, well, then we continued to talk. And he said, then, well, okay, what are we going to do? Then give you, there's three tests you got to take. And we will discuss it. You do these three tests coming up. And then you and your wife can come in person and we'll talk. And I thought to myself afterwards, like a pastor always, he's always thinking in sermons, illustrations. I don't know what you have dreams of and nightmares of. You know what I, I, have, not, I have dreams of? I have dreams of sermons. That's pretty bad, right? Or how good, I guess, right? I don't know. I dream about sermons. I wake up thinking about sermons. I go to bed sleeping about sermons. And so after I got off, first thing I thought about was myself. And I thought, God, that's just how we are with God. We come to church and say, no, I'm not going to have surgery. I'm thinking, God's not going to cut on me. God's not going to touch me. Nope, I'll let you know right now. And so that's what some people do on Sunday morning. Cherith means not just to cut off, but it means to cut down. And we say, you know, I don't want God cutting on me. And sometimes, like myself, so foolishly, I said to the surgeon who's given his life to this, you know, you're not going to operate on me. You're not gonna, I'm no way I'm going to get surgery. He says, what are you talking about, basically? And so I think sometimes we do the same thing with God. And I think because we do that, I know we do it. I've done it. We've done it. We do the same thing with God. And because we do that with God, we don't change. Because we don't want God to take us to Cherith. We don't want God to cut away anything. 
We don't want to feel any pain at all, any discomfort at all in our Christianity. No, no, you're not taking me to Cherith. I don't need to go to Cherith. Now, I know Pastor needs to go to Cherith. I know Will needs to go to Cherith. I know Tim needs to go to Cherith. But I don't need to go to Cherith. But it's not true. We all need to. So this morning, that's the title. There's no fast forward. And why we need to go to Cherith. Let's look at our text this morning. Follow with me. Chapter 17. And the word of the Lord came to him and said, depart from here, turn eastward and hide by Brook Cherith. We spent weeks talking about hiding. Hide by Brook Cherith. The brook will supply you with water to drink. And I've commanded the ravens to bring you food there. So Elijah obeyed the Lord and went to live near Cherith Creek. Ravens brought him bread and meat twice a day. And he drank from the water from the creek. You know, the, the very first thing God tells Elijah is he tells him he's going to provide for him. Basically, he, he tells Elijah how he's going to survive this. And, and I, I thought that's very fitting because anytime I think God puts us in this place, a cherished place of being cut, life will cut you all kinds of ways. But when we're in that place of being cut, I've asked this question. I've asked, am I going to survive this? And you'll find yourself asking, God, I don't know if I can survive this pain. I don't know if I can survive this circumstance. I don't know if I can survive this at all. And the first thing God tells Elijah, and I think it's fitting for you and I, is God says, Elijah, you're going to survive it. I'm going to sustain you there. I'm going to feed you. You're going to make it through this. Because when you're going through it, if we're honest this morning, I've said it. Maybe you haven't. I've said, I don't know if I can make it through this. I don't know if I can go through this one more time. And something, God has to come along and he meets with us and we, and we find ourselves, you know what, I guess God can sustain me because he has. But I said there's no fast forward in life and it's so true because every one of us has watched a movie. You shouldn't be watching movies. But anyway, if you watch a movie and, and, and you fast forward or a commercial or something, you always fast forward. I already saw that part. You fast forward it. You fast forward it. Fast forward it. You know, in life, you can't fast forward life. And there's things that come to us, and we wish we could just, I, I know I do. I wish I could just hit fast forward this, man. I, I, don't, wanna, I don't want this. It's going to take, take too long to get through this. It's going to be too much heartache, too much pain. It's going to take years to get through this. I don't want this fast forward. But there is no fast forward in life. Sometimes it seems like, not worse than that, sometimes it seems like there's nothing but slow motion. It seems like, you know what, this is going real slow, and it's painful. So you go to this place called Cherith, and let me just say this. <clears throat> you know, some believers, and, and, I, and I know this to be true, some believers will never experience what I'm talking about this morning. Because they will never allow God to put them in a place they don't want to be and do what he wants to do. They won't because they will always opt out and do what they want to do. If you always opt out, then you never experience all that God has for you. Let me say it like this. Not only will you not experience all that God has, you won't have more of God. You have more of yourself. But if you've never really struggled or if you've never been in a place where everything within you said, I don't want to be in this cutting place. I don't want to be here. I don't want this. And you have to fight through it. 
If there's never been a fight through some things in your life and you've always just given in, well, I'm not going to, I don't want to do that, I ain't going to do it. You've always just done what you wanted to do. That's not fighting through anything. That's giving up. When you always say yes to yourself, there's a problem there. Even Jesus, the son of God, is in the garden. What does he say? This is not something I really want to do. And if it's possible, let's get over, let's pass through this. But no, even the son of God struggled in prayer with God about the will of God for his life. I think you and I, we hit moments in time, you and I will struggle about the will of God in our lives too. I mean, really struggle, not just, oh, a little hard. No, no, I'm, I'm talking struggling. With everything within you says, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. I'm not going to do this. But somehow God wins the day and you do what you know you don't want to do, but you do it anyway. Those hard things, those hard moments, those hard choices. And they're hard because they cut you. You feel it. It's different to make a choice, a decision about something that doesn't cost you. You don't feel it. That's fine. But when you feel it and it costs you, it's different. So let me move on here. So Elijah, God sends Elijah to Cherith. And Elijah's actually going to make a YouTube video on survival. Um, yeah, he's going to be the lone survivor. He's the first one. But let me go to point one quickly, and that's A, the necessity of this place. I've already kind of said it. The necessity of this place from whom he did foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. See, see, God knew Elijah needed this experience, and this experience would be essential to his development. God knows exactly what is essential to our development. He knows it better than anyone. He knows, listen, either God is really involved or he's not. We are here because we met God and God changed us. He's real to us. And so he either 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 he is involved in our life or he's not. If he's if he's not involved in our life, then we're all here this morning. We're crazy. Or we believe God is real. God has changed us, and he's involved not just in our life vaguely. He's involved in the details of our life. I mean, the details of our life, the experiences of our life. He knows about, he knows how we feel, he knows what we're thinking, he knows our thoughts, he knows our motives, he knows our attitude, he knows our resentments, he knows our unforgiveness. Everything with inside of you he knows all about. So he says, you know what, I'm going to send you to Cherith. I know, Elijah, you just spoke to the king and you're the number one man in all the media. Rush just did an interview with you when he was alive. You're the number one man in the nation. The whole world's talking about Elijah after he, after he preached to the king. Everyone's talking about Elijah. And all of a sudden, God takes him out of the spotlight, puts him by the porch light. Says God said, you know what, no, Elijah, I, I know you did that, but now it's time for you to come away. But that's, I'm not preaching that again about being hidden. That's another sermon, more of it. But he pulls him away. He says, I'm, I'm, you need to go to Cherith. And some believe, and I don't, we, don't, we don't know for sure, but some believe he was there for three and a half years. During the famine, three and a half years in this lonely, dark, difficult place all by himself. And I think what makes it harder, and I know it makes it harder, when you have no one to sympathize with you. 
then it's real. It's, it seems like it's impossible to go through. If anyone has a loved one or someone you're really close to that you talk to, I thank God I have a wife. I, me going through it, I've gone through it, hasn't been that big of a thing. But honestly, without her, I wouldn't have survived it. And people always ask me how I'm doing, but they should ask my wife how she's doing because the wife is the one who's always supporting the husband. Not always, but I mean, it's the opposite. If it's a husband or it's the wife, one of them is always supporting the other, and everyone gives the attention to the sick one, and the truth is the one who's healthy is who's giving the most. My wife has to put with me all the time. You give me for one hour, it's about all you can handle. She says, I got to go home with that guy. And she says to me, you know, that's stupid. And she can say that because sometimes I say stupid things. Don't you say it to me. It's disrespectful. I'm the pastor. I'm the man of God. <laughs> okay. You got me off track. No, I got myself off track. But no, you know, here's what I'm saying. Is, is, this is very needful for us. He knows. And the Bible says that Elijah was like passions like you and I. He felt like you and I. He was weak like you and I. He would fail like you and I. He was not a superhero. He was normal. James says he was a man of like passions like anyone in this room. He was not a superhero. And so this is what he is, and God speaks to him. I'll talk about it Thursday. It's the title of the sermon is called, We Need to Talk, Why We Need to Hear the Voice of God. If there's ever a time we need to hear the voice of God, it's now. People can hear the voice of God. That's one thing. But to obey the voice of God is something different. Jesus said, my sheep and John, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. In other words, my sheep hear my voice. They don't just hear my voice. They follow me. In other words, it's obedience that comes with the word. The word gives us direction, but obedience gives us the life. Jesus said, they follow me. There's something done here. Elijah is going to hear the will of God. He's going to follow God. He's going to submit to God. He follows the voice of God. He heeds the voice of God. And he's obedient to whatever God asks him to do. And read it. There is, when God asked him to go to Cherith, it's not recorded for us, but there's no argument. There's no discussion. And I, and I don't know if that's real or not, but it's not written for us, maybe for a reason. I don't know. Maybe there was all kinds of discussions with God. I would think there would probably be some, but for some reason, God says, I'm not going to write that in the book. God just simply says, Elijah, you go to Cherith, the Bible says, and he obeyed and went. I'm sure he had other ideas. I'm sure all of us have other ideas about our life. Well, how, who, why Cherith? What's up with that? Out of all the places you could have chosen, send me, send me to Vegas. Send me to someplace, send me to New York, send me to L.A. But they, I mean, Cherith? That's not where I want to go. Why would I want to go to you know, and But there's no discussion. There's no, there's, no, there's no agenda. Well, you know, Lord, I really wasn't feeling that. I really wasn't into going to Cherith. But, you know, it's not, I don't really feel it. And that's how most Christians live their life, by the way. If I don't feel it, I'm not really, I'm not leaning towards Cherith, then I ain't going to do it. That's why you miss out. Because you can't make those hard. You can't let God cut into your life and make those hard choices. That caused you pain and discomfort. So here he is. He sent in Elijah to Cherith. To a cutting place. And I'm really getting ahead of myself. But it's okay. And the reason he sends him to Cherith to cut away. Because there's a lot that needs to be cut away. I just read a moment ago. The need and the necessity of the place. Because every one of us need to be conformed to the image of his son. The Bible says to whom God has already chosen 
and set forth that you and I would, would become like his son. And that version says we would be appointed to have the same image of his son. Corinthians says all of us reflect the glory of God. That's debatable. <laughs> with unveiled faces, we are becoming more and more like him with increasing glory by the Lord's spirit. So you and I, God says, listen, I have Elijah, I have you, I have Carrie, whoever it is. I'm going to put you here because right now I see a lot of you and I need to cut away a lot of you because I want to see my son in you. There's a lot of you that needs to be cut away. A lot of you. I don't mean a lot of you. You know what I mean. Somebody say, Pastor doesn't want me here. He says, a lot of us need to be cut away. That's not what I meant. It brings me to point B. Simple. The name of the place is Cherith. I've talked about this already. It means to cut off. I mean, I talked about that. But now I want to emphasize the thought of not just cut off, but cut down. Because if God is going to accomplish his will in Elijah's life, and I believe it with our own selves, if God's going to accomplish his will in our life, we need not just to be cut off. We need to be cut down to size. We need to be humbled. We need to be people of humility. Are you with me? Be careful when you meet someone who tells you how humble they are. I think Artie is the only guy who could say that. Already get up and preach. I'm so humble. And people, he probably he really is. He's probably the only guy to get away with that. But you think about it. God brings him to this place to cut away. Now, you and I, we probably not chose to be to a place or brought to a place where it's cut away because you and I don't think we need anything cut away. You're like me telling the surgeon. The first thing we say, I ain't getting no surgery. I'm not getting, I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you straight up, I'm not getting no surgery. It's never going to happen. That's what we say to God. And God says, wait, we'll talk about it. I'm the surgeon. I'm called the great physician. What are you, what are you telling me? Straight up, you're not going to allow me. In other words, what I'm saying is I'm not going to submit to the will of God for my life, allow him to do what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, how he wants to do it, where he wants to do it. No, then I miss out. I miss out. Romans says, Paul writes, For I say through the grace given to me, that every man that is among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. Do you think we think sometimes more highly of ourselves than we ought to think? Some of you could point to your brother and say, he sure is. Or she sure is. She sure does. But to think soberly according to the will, the faith, the measure of faith that each man has been given. The word not to think means to be, become overproud. It means basically to blow up or to, to be vain or arrogant. You know, we look at our lives with our own eyes. God looks at our eyes with the eyes of God. And there's things that we look at our lives and we say, you know, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm not that bad. I'm not arrogant. I'm fine. God looks at it and says, well, you're seeing it from your, your view. I'm going to tell you how I see it. There's a lot that needs to be cut away, bro. Listen to different version. says it like this. Do not think of yourselves more highly than you should, but be modest in thinking and judge yourself according to the amount of faith that God's given you. Is it possible to overthink ourselves? Is it possible to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to? Absolutely. 
And God says, you know what? <clears throat> I want to form my son in you. In order to form some son in you, your life, sister and brother, and him, this man, this young teenager, I'll put you in Cherith, and I'm going to cut away some stuff. And he's the surgeon. He's the master physician. He don't ask us what he's going to cut. He don't, he, don't, he don't come to us and say, is it okay if I cut into your pride some? Right? He don't say. He just does what he's going to do. Because it needs to be. You know what? I want to see Jesus in you. I've seen enough of you. We get ourselves in trouble. The world sees enough of us. Or You know what? You get you in trouble. I need to see more of Jesus in you. In order to see more Jesus in you, there's a, some things I'm going to have to cut away. i got to cut away that pride, that arrogance, that unforgiving spirit, that attitude, resent, whatever it might be. I need to cut away all kinds of stuff. I need to cut away rebellion. I need to cut away an unsurrendered spirit. It's all kinds of things that need to be cut. There's things that need to be dealt with, listen to me, that only God can deal with when you're all alone with God. Elijah's by himself. He, they ain't no one to talk to. Sometimes that's the best place to be. By yourself, alone with God. Today, you know what's accepted today, which is crazy, is narcissism. You say, well, what is that? Basically, the definition is simple. It means a fascination with oneself and excessive self-love called vanity. You know, 40 years ago, it used to be sinful to be someone, you're so vain. That was not a compliment. Today, people go, thank you. You're so vain, you probably think the sermon's about you, about you. Anyway, well, I don't know where that came from. Okay. Listen to what Dr. Drew says about our culture. He says, how celebrity narcissism is seducing all of America. He claims life-threatening eating orders, addictions to drugs and alcohol, self-harming behaviors like cutting ourselves, overdoses, trips to rehab, and on and on. Public relapses and outrageous diva behavior has become epidemic. It's the first time more people die by suicide than car accidents in the richest country in the world, which is us. Most suicides today are now done in front of a mirror. It's just hard to fathom this. And so here we are today. Everyone today, they said because the event of Insta, Instagram, or you can call it Insta-fame, or you can call it Insta-vain, it's so vain. Not all of it. There's a lot of good on, absolutely. But every, they say, with the invention of YouTube, everyone today can become a star or everyone has a voice today. You know what? Most of the world don't care. I hate to tell you that most of the world don't care what you think. That's a fact. But now they say people have a platform and they aren't because they're so vain, a lot of folks. They honestly think the whole world's just waiting. When they get up in the morning, they're waiting to hear from them. The world waits for me to post. You think about it. And, and they post. And they, like one guy said, he said, it gives everyone a chance to feel like they're a celebrity when they're basically a nobody. And just no one's told them that. I, I, I want to tell you where I was at a place, and this, this lady there told me, you know who that is. It was another girl there, and she goes, she's a famous YouTuber. She's got like a million followers. And I, went to, I don't want to be mean. I said, I'm going to say so. But I didn't. I go, oh, really? You don't know who she is? I said, no, and I didn't even ask her name. Now I get off sidetrack. Okay, listen. 
So everyone thinks they're a celebrity now. And now we, we, people, they literally do this. Now, truthfully, I haven't looked at Instagram this week. I, haven't looked, I think I looked at it once last week for a couple minutes. Try not to look at it. I don't like to upset my stomach. <clears throat> because people put, this is me putting on makeup. This is me talking. This is me walking. This is me eating. This is my stomach. This is my rear. Really? 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 And it's like you see these pictures. I used to think some of them were jokes. And you look at these people are serious. They're actually serious. And people live by, I mean, I don't have time to get into the sermon. People live by likes and dislikes. How in the world and why would you allow someone to determine your worth by your likes and dislikes? And every time you get a like, you get a shot of dopamine and you don't realize it. you feel good. So what do you do? You go back to see another like and you feel good again and you go back to see another like and you feel good again and you go back to see another like and you spend an hour on Instagram and have done nothing but waste your time. You want to like? I like you. How's that? God loves you. That should be enough. I don't care if some crazy guy in Tennessee don't like me. I care less. And so now, I care who you are. God has to take us, and especially in our culture. The things we, we think are just normal, natural, are pretty vain. They're pretty out there, and we don't realize it because we just kind of birthed into it. It just kind of happened along the way. We've never seen, uh, most of you are, well, I can't say most. Some of you are a lot older than I am. <clears throat> but anyway, a lot of people, it, it just kind of came into our culture. It's just here. We think vanity is kind of cool. It was never cool before. Tell me what you think God thinks of vanity. What do you think God thinks about you exalting yourself instead of Christ? The inspiration for all of it is the enemy told God, and you read in the book of Isaiah, he says, I will be like the most high God. I will exalt myself. I will be the one who rules. I will do what I want to do. That sounds like people. That inspiration comes from hell. I will lift up myself. And not about lifting up, lifting up. It's about lifting up Jesus Christ. And so God has to come along and says, you know what? I'm going to have to put you in a cutting place, and there's some things I have to cut away. There's something I have to cut away. Cut away how you think. I have to cut away your decision. There's things you, you're deciding to do. I'm going to have to change that. I'm gonna, I want to change. There's attitudes you have. I want to get rid of that. Let me tell you something. <clears throat> do you know who God's favorite NBA team is? Someone said the Lakers. God forgive you. <laughs> the Clippers. You say, Why? Because God clips away. The clippers. I was going to bring a plant in here, but I thought, how do I hide a plant? I was going to bring a plant in here. I got plants in my front yard, and, I, and I have, there's branches that look at it. I say, you know what? If this thing's going to grow better, I, I've learned along the way. I, haven't read, I don't read stuff. I just watch it, how it grows. People say, you know, how, you know the name of this plant. You know the name of that plant. You know what you're supposed to I don't, I don't read about it. I just plant it. I said, what's the name of that plant? That's called green plant. What's the name of that plant? That's called a red flower plant. I don't know no names of it, but I got a garden. Who cares, right? Who cares? But I know, like, when someone has flowers, 
The best thing you can do is let it bloom. And once it's bloomed, is get rid of it. The quicker you get rid of it, the quicker it will rebloom. And they got these old branches that are just taking, sucking the life out of a plant. You got to cut back. Right? Called clippers. These are called clippers. We come in Sunday morning, God goes, it's just hanging by a thread. Let me cut that thing off. Bless your heart. Boom. I know some of you love to grab this and work on other people. That's our problem. You need to hear it, honey. And God clips away. They're looking for a new name for the clippers or a new little thing. I, I came up with, I call it Clip City. Yeah, no one thought the same thing. No one liked my idea. But anyway, here it is. And it's cut. God cuts away, man. He cuts. And yes, it is painful. And yes, you know what? When I cut away a plant, I make it really small before it becomes really big. Some of you won't allow the God to make you small so he can make you great. That's a good preaching right there. Write that one down. I just thought of that. Shoot, I remember that when I preached it again. Hold on, God. Are, clippers t- are they sharp? Is it going to hurt? Oh, it is. Oh. Oh, you want to change my wheel? My wheel? No, I've always done what I wanted to do. That's a problem? And no, and God says, I want you, you know what? I just, I got to clip this up. It's, it's better for you. And God clips us, cuts away. Not just cuts away, he cuts down to size so we can grow. Some believers don't grow. You know why? Because they never allow God to clip away things. They hold on to things. There's still some of you right now listening to me. You're holding on to all kinds of stuff for years. In, 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 a, in, a, in a picture form, it's an old branch hanging. You let God cut that thing out. Just get rid of that. It's over. So I'm almost done. Not really. But I was working, and, and I just thought of this. I was working in Phoenix, Arizona. It's hot. I like the heat. Who knows me? I like heat. Heat don't bother me. I'm a, my, my wife says I'm a lizard. I'm not just a lizard. I'm a Holy Ghost lizard. I'm a lizard that speaks in tongues. <clears throat> so I was working in August, and the, I worked for this guy because no one else would hire me and my buddies. We were young in high school, and during the summer, I got a job uh, landscape labor. And I remember they gave us this huge street and had all these trees to plant in. And so planting trees in the middle of August in Phoenix, Arizona, it's not easy unless you know how to do it. I know I'm not always been a saint, okay? So, so the boss drops us off, and he dropped all the trees off. And this, it's like a half a mile thing or whatever, quarter mile, whatever it was. We had these trees, not real big trees, but big enough. And we could move them, but it was not easy to move. There were things. They took them out of the boxes, and there they were. And so they had dug. <clears throat> we had to dig the holes by hand. I said, what about an auger? You know, the other guys were using it. They were higher up on the totem pole. So the other guys got to use the auger. We only had like two augers. The other guys were using them. And I said, well, where's the auger? He said, you're the auger. So me and my buddy were the auger. Well, I wasn't. He was. I said, you're the auger. Because he's bigger than I am strong. I said, you're the auger. He said, man, this is hard. Carry bone. We're digging, digging. I said, you know what? This is just plain ridiculous. I said, this isn't right. I said, quit digging them so deep. So what do you mean? I said, no, heck no. Just dig like a, mm, it's just about, about that much. 
He said, we're supposed to have like two and a half feet or something crazy. And this wide, you're supposed to be wider than the base. And you know how it's supposed to be. I said, no, it's really that wide. And this, I said, they're crazy. I said, no, no, just be about that much. Just big enough to get in there. I said, no, we can't do that. I said, yeah, we can. I said, how are we going to do that? These things, look at the roots. I said, that's how they used to be. <laughs> so I took the roots. We laid them down and cut the trees right in half. Boom, the roots, about this much root. Boom, boom, boom. Got the whole job done. I don't know if they lived. I never went back to find out. I don't know. I don't know if they ever lived. That wasn't my concern. My concern was he said, get him in the ground. Well, I got him in the ground. He didn't tell me. That wasn't sinful because he didn't say how to get him in the ground. He didn't say all the roots had to be in the ground. Get technical on me. I cut those. You know, let me say that's the easy way. God doesn't do it the easy way. God says, I want you to last because I want you to last. I'm not doing it the easy way. We take the shortcuts. That's our human nature. It's too painful, too hard. It hurts. I don't want to be here. We take the shortcut. God doesn't take the shortcuts. It was A.W. Tozer, and I, quickly, I've got to get to the end of this. It's A.W. Tozer, and I don't understand it fully. I don't claim to, but I'll read it. Everyone says this, and it's probably true from what I experienced. He said, it's doubtful that God can bless a man until he's hurt him deeply. Doubtful that God can bless a man until he can hurt him, until he's hurt him deeply. Then I thought John 3, 30. John the Baptist said, he must increase, and, but I must decrease. He must increase. That means, literally means to grow. It means become larger. It means to overtake. The word decrease means to make less in rank and influence. John the Baptist says he must, he has to increase, and I must decrease. Say decrease. You don't like saying that, huh? Some of you go, D. Yeah. You can't say, you know, you don't want to decrease, you want to increase. John the Baptist says, no, he must, he must overtake my life. He must, listen, he must have more of my life. He must overtake my selfish ways. He's got to have his will done in my life. He must increase. I must decrease. Let me just stop there and read. I'll come back to that next week. Let me end with this story here. Because either we... <clears throat> We choose our attitude in this. Like my attitude with the surgeon was not very good in the beginning. The first surgeons we saw, we saw. I saw a neurosurgeon first, and I saw this guy. I saw this guy again. The first time I saw the first neurosurgeon, I asked him a question. No one ever asked him. What do you think I asked him? I said, he tells me, all we're going to do is go in here and put a plate back here. No problem at all. That's what I said. Uh, what? Oh, yeah, just go right in there. Just put a little hole right there and just go right in and put a little plate back there. And you're, you wear this thing like that, perfectly normal, uh, you know, for a while. And then you can't move your head all the way anymore. And my son, Elisha, says, Dad, I'll keep calling your name. And you just go in circles. You know, Elisha. Um, so I asked the doctor, a neurosurgeon, I said, hold away. I said, let me ask you a question, sir. He said, he's an Indian guy, smart. I said, how many people have died? He said, I've never had no one ask me that question. I said, how many people died? He said, I don't think any. 
ever died. That was extreme, right? We say, God, am I going to die? God says, you're not going to die. You're not going to, listen, it's for our benefit he does this. Hebrews says he chastises us. He cuts away for our benefit. So either we go in with a right attitude, and if you're a patient with a doctor, a good attitude goes a long way. A good attitude, some people don't have good attitude. Good attitude, especially if you're getting operated on, it's always good to have a good attitude. You know what? It's a, I'll tell you something. Here's a Thursday night uh, God's talk. Thursday, you're so, throwing something in. A good attitude, you heal faster than having a bad attitude. If they hear the right music, they, you, your body will heal better and the physician does better work here listening to the right music. That's a fact. Anyway, let me go on. We choose our attitude. And so we can have the attitude, you know, fight God, rebel against God, fight him all the way to the day you die, or say, okay, I'm going to have a better attitude about this. Listen to this story. I read this, and it's crazy how I got to this story I'm going to read, and I'm going to end. My iPad is an older iPad. It's iPad Pro. The only reason I got it because it's the first time it was big. I know, I'm not an electronic guy. But I, a big iPad, I, I can see a big iPad. And I can hit the button like that. That's about my electronic proudness. You know, I can't, I can, boop, open, close. Okay, I can do that. My iPad is old, so I went to Best Buy and I was telling the guy and showed it to him, talking to him about it. He said, oh, you got the old, you got, that's an old one. You got the old, that's the old, old one, dude. They wouldn't even do that. Well, I was trying to do some things, new things. He said, you, you got the old stuff. Only five years ago, three years ago, 2015, I think it was. And, and they make you feel like you got some old, you know what I mean? Like it's nothing. So, well, so you need to get a new one. You got here. This thing's fine. So, you know, I left. So I'm looking up on the internet. How old is my iPad? Because I didn't know. He, he, he guessed. I looked it up. And next thing I know, I come up with this article. How does this article have anything to do with an iPad? It has nothing to do with it. I'm thinking, so I don't know how algorithms work or how they search things or how things are put up. When you're looking through things. But I think it's odd. I'm looking for an iPad trying to find the year mine was made and what it does. And then this article comes up about a man's death. That has nothing to do with an iPad. So I said, I'm going to read this. So I just took my off and read Listen to this story. After I read it, I thought, what a courageous soul. What a good attitude, man. You know... <clears throat> Listen to this. A lady writes about her husband. After my husband passed away from cancer in 2017, I was cleaning out his office and I found a letter from the cancer doctor. The letter said that his cancer was terminal and that he only had four to six months to live at max. And he'd remain on chemotherapy until then. She said, I knew my husband had cancer. He had it before and he fought it. And he told me, I'm going to fight this one just like I did the first time, honey. He never mentioned to me the letter the doctors gave him. Now, I don't agree with what he did about not letting his wife know. But listen to this attitude. That's what I'm talking about. I never knew my husband had cancer. <clears throat> I never knew about that letter. I never, he never mentioned this letter to me that the doctors told him that only had four to six months to live. November 16th, 2016, my husband went into liver failure on April 9th, I mean, 2017. I had no idea he was terminal. 
and that he was just simply fighting to stay alive. Still, my husband never said anything to me about terminal cancer. Never said anything to me about only having four to six months to live. He passed away on May 26, 2017. He did not want me or the kids to spend the last six months of us crying and being sad. He wanted us to enjoy life. That's why he never said a thing. He took the kids on a skiing trip in Colorado in January of 2017. He took me, me and him alone to Miami in February 2017. He knew he was going to die. Never told us anything. Just wanted us to celebrate. What a good attitude. And she says, I thought I would include a picture of my husband before he had cancer to show the world what a handsome man he really was before cancer took it all away from him. I admire that man full of respect. What an amazing man. And I say, what an amazing, courageous attitude. You know, just to have the attitude. I'm not saying he should have told his family, but to have the attitude, you know what? This is it. But let's have a good attitude about it. This is, okay, this is how it is. I'm, I'm, I'm believing the earth. But what an attitude. We choose. We choose. Let's bow our heads this morning. I'll finish. Maybe the, the rest of this, maybe Thursday, maybe Friday. I mean, maybe next Sunday morning. We'll see, but. I just want to first of all address everyone who's watching and you in the congregation and everyone at the same time. I, I, I don't know where you're at and I don't know what God's doing in your life, but me, I assure you that God knows what he's doing in your life. And it may be very difficult and very hard. I think we all pass through cherus. We pass through those places that cut us. Unfortunately, a lot of believers, when they find themselves in that place, they simply default to their own will. They don't allow God to keep them there at Cherith for three and a half years. They leave. They don't allow God to do what he intended to do. So consequently, they have less of God, more of themselves. You that are watching and you that are listening, I don't know what God's doing in your life, but let me assure you that God knows what he's doing. But we have to allow him to cut away things. And there's a reason why he cuts away things. I don't have time to go into it, but there are reasons why he cuts away. The obvious one is because he says, you know what? I need you to be conformed to my son. And we all have a long way to go. There's so many things need to be cut out of our life. That attitude needs got to go. That unforgiveness has got to be cut out. That unwillingness to surrender to God, that unwillingness to let God touch you or change you. You're here this morning and you see, you know what, Pastor? There's some things God's been dealing with me about. God's been cutting away in my life. And this morning I just say to God, God, I'm, I, I, I surrender, God. We're all, none of us are perfect, but you, you can say, I surrender. I allow the master physician do what he wants to do. If that's you this morning, God's talking to you. Just raise your hand quickly. Lift it up and put it right back down. I see all these hands. What will it take for surrender to happen?
You're watching me this morning. You see, I've never given my life to Jesus. I've never surrendered. And you're listening to me. I want you to say this prayer with me. See, okay, I'm done living my own life, my way, doing my thing. Uh, this morning, I surrender to Jesus Christ. You say this prayer. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm sorry for my sins. Come into my life. Forgive me. Forgive me of my rebellion. Me choosing my own way. Help me. I accept you as my personal Savior. I turn from my sins. I thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You in the congregation, let's all stand. I'm going to sing a worship song. These altars are open. If you just want to come and get right with God, you said that prayer. You want to come and get right. Many hands were raised. Just come and find a place to pray. Hey, folks, I really hope this episode encouraged you to live a more purposeful and intelligent life. If it did bless you, would you share it with somebody who you love as well? Thanks again for joining us, folks. We'll see you next time. Thank you.